Belly and the fish. Belly. Belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. the fish. And we got big old Ben Belly Smokes Hunter. Here we go again. Welcome, Belly. It's another victory lap Monday for us. Are you ready for it? You know I am, bud. No, John, this week he's down in Florida enjoying some nice sunshine, but we do have a special guest in with us. It is Brendan Zunick. How are we doing, Brendo? Hey, Corbin, Ben. Appreciate you guys having me on. Been wanting to do a podcast for a while now, but I've been too lazy to get together myself, so I thought I'd uh, ride your guys' coattails and give it a shot here. That's the kind of success we love. <laughs> yep, and you couldn't have picked a better one, honestly, because uh, Isaac week one got the Chiefs. Big Mart had a bad one after the Seahawks, but we have a bounce-back win to discuss this week. So, Oh, absolutely. How long have you supported the Lions your whole life? I know you're from the east side. Uh, you know, being in the Metro Detroit area my entire life, I'd like to call myself a lifelong Lions fan, but – Quite honestly, I don't think I really got into them until about high school. So, um, I mean, a couple of years into the Stafford era, I uh, was much more into college football growing up. Played hockey, so big Red Wings, you know, with their success that they had in the early 2000s. And, I mean, they're, they're a train wreck now, but we're, we're coming back. Um, so, yeah, I would say probably like 2010 to 2012-ish is when I really kind of started to follow them and then really got into them in college. Um, because that's how you spend your Sundays in college. So, Yeah, I kind of uh, am in the same boat. I was a big college football, college basketball but guy when I was a kid. Yep. And then eventually everybody in college, you start to realize, wow, I know everybody in the NBA and the NFL now. And so that's yep. when I kind of made the switch over, like right when the Calvin Johnson era started. That's a great point. Yeah, I think because uh, I'm 26 and I graduated college uh, about four years ago now. Um, but I'm at that point in my life where everyone that I went or watched in college is now, you know, kind of a couple years into the NFL and I've been able to watch them grow. Um, the first thing that came to mind, which is a bad one now was Corey Davis. He was a superstar at Western when I was there and we went 13 and 0 and then lost the cotton bowl against Wisconsin it was a heartbreaker, but overall it's a fantastic season to be at Western. Anyways. Got really into watching him, uh, you know, when he was on the Jets, even though that was, again, another train wreck. But he just retired, which which was a bummer. But I guess long story short, it's been that's that's what really got me hooked on the NFL the last few years, especially is just knowing those names throughout college, watching them kind of grow in the NFL. And um, that's exciting because I get really I, I like kind of the personal aspect of sports, getting to know the players and, um, you know, the storylines and everything. I, I like that kind of stuff. Yep. No, I hear you, man. I feel like, honestly, I'm kind of like Rain Man when it comes to uh, football because I just know <laughs> all these players, all these schools, where they were drafted, yeah. when they were drafted, everything. So, yeah, yeah, it's sad how they grow up on you. But here we are. We're in a new era now. And Detroit is two and one after yes, decimating sir. the Atlanta Falcons in Detroit. The line opened at Lions minus four and a half. It closed at minus three. A lot of people pounding those Falcons. They didn't think Detroit could dig it out, but we absolutely did 20 to six. And we were in control that entire game. Honestly, great bounce back from Seattle. 
And I'm feeling a lot, a lot of confidence going into week four against Green Bay Thursday night. Yeah, no, I, I felt good about it. Um, I do have to disagree. I, I didn't like him in, in the first quarter and really the first half. Uh, I kind of felt this way that, you know, the really every game this season, it seems like we really need halftime to kind of shift our gears and turn things around. I mean, not it doesn't need to be that drastic, but it seems like we're a lot more put together at halftime. And I just really want to see us come out of the gates firing, um, which hopefully, you know, Green Bay, we can kind of do that. But um, overall, I mean, it, it was a blowout. I mean, you look at look at the score. I didn't really feel like a blowout, but overall happy with the boys. I mean, they got it done at home. So, yeah. And I mean, Atlanta's defense, I mean, they're a physical football team. I yeah. think that they're kind of along the same lines. Yeah. As, yeah. It's kind of how Dan Campbell has built this team. You know, they want to ground and yeah. pound. They want to be tough on defense. But, you know, if you look at like the, the yardage, we dominated them on offense and defense. So, yeah, they really could not get anything done. I mean, Outside of a you know a couple of bad plays, we pretty much could do whatever we wanted with them. Jared Goff was really nice passing the ball, twenty-two for thirty-three, almost two hundred fifty yards. He had the one touchdown and an interception. That was kind of the sour spot. But I was going to say the interception. I mean, it's kind of similar to last game. You just got to move on from it, and especially in this game, he was able to forget about it, move on, and get the job done. So. Yeah, and other than the one interception to Jesse Bates, that was his third on the year. I mean, he's a good player. He was in position and, you know, one just a, a foot away from a completion, it turned out to be an interception. He had that one throw where he uh, overthrew Khalif Raymond. That was a pretty good ball, too, just a hair too far out of his reach. Um, but the first half, I was really happy with how Jared got performed. It was the second half that I feel like he kind of uh, – you know, I wouldn't say that it was terrible or anything by any means, but he was definitely taking less risks. And I feel like the coaching staff understood that we were in control That's of this true. game and we had to dial it back and be a little bit more conservative in the second half. And then the other thing is when you have those injuries on the offensive line, you could just kind of tell that Jared Goff wasn't quite as comfortable with them. I mean, he was pressured, I think, nine times that game and he was getting hit as well. So I mean, I can understand why he didn't quite trust Colby Soresdale, the fifth-round rookie who's just going <laughs> in for his first game, and he's been taking yep. snaps at guard, you know, first time back at right tackle since college. So I could see why he was a little uh, quick to get the ball out of his hands. Yeah, I mean, obviously our injuries going into this game had a big impact on, on the Vegas odds, um, but yeah, I didn't feel like we were really missing that many people in terms of how we looked on the field. I mean, just looking at this, zero sacks on Goff uh, for for that that bandage of an offensive line that we had out there. I mean, you got to be pretty happy with that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. And then he also had his Michael Vick moment. Oh, yeah. How about that? First one in his, in his, uh, in his Lions career. I, I didn't know that. I thought he for sure had one, but... Ben Johnson is just a magician out there. Absolutely hoodwinked <laughs> the defense. They did not have any tape on it. So, yeah, he pulled that one out when he needed to. But no, he looked other, great. I love the play call. The other interesting thing was that he only completed passes to four different wide receivers, and one of those was yeah. Gibbs. He had one catch for two yards. So it was pretty much Khalif Raymond, Sam Laporta, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Those were Goff's three targets in this game. So he could he didn't really use a lot of options. He didn't really need them. So I can't complain about it. Just a couple of things to clean up, but far from his best game. 
Yeah, it's looking like I, I forgot about Raymond because, um, I mean, I was going to comment and just say it was the St. Brown Laporta show. That's at least what it felt like. But, yeah, Raymond, four receptions, six targets for 55 yards. Can't complain about that. But, I mean, you're looking at Sam Laporta, eight receptions, 84 yards, 11 targets. St. Brown, nine receptions, 102 yards, 12 targets. I mean, we, we know who our guys are. Yeah. I thought all three of those guys had great games, and it's really nice to see Khalif a little bit more involved in the offense instead of the special teams. Yeah. A little bit of disappointed, though, um, our utilization of Gibbs. Um, two targets. I, you know, Going into this season, I really thought we were going to kind of expand our offense with, with him and in our screen games and just passing game overall. I guess we will, I'll try and stay on track to this game only, but it, it seemed like at least yesterday – we it was noticeable Montgomery was not in the game. Um, a little hypocritical about my comment earlier, but I think the running backs at least where I, where I noticed our our missing player with Montgomery because we were using Gibbs. With, uh, you know, before the first couple games, it was always Gibbs outside Montgomery down the middle, but we kind of had to fill that in, um, and it was noticeable because Gibbs seems a lot more comfortable busting one outside than he does running up the middle. Yep, I totally agree. Although I do think that he looked a lot more comfortable between the tackles. There was a couple of run plays where you do see him cut it up inside, and that's been one of my bigger criticisms of Gibbs so far. But, you know, like you said, you want to see him more involved in the passing game. But at the same time, he still got close to 20 touches, you know, 17 carries, the one catch, he had the two targets. So he's right around 20. So his, his usage didn't really increase this game. But at the same time, I feel like the coaching staff thought that we were doing pretty well and we don't need to bust out all of our tricks and in, in, you know, this one game when we have a pretty substantial lead and we felt pretty strong going up against this opponent. A lot of the thought process too. I mean, someone like Gibbs, you're looking at him long-term. Uh, you, you don't want to just overuse him in his first season in the NFL risk an injury, something like that. I have a lot of buddies who, you know, are complaining about his usage, want to see him involved more. But, I mean, you got to think this is a 17-game uh, season. We want to see Gibbs for a couple of years on this team, uh, you know, especially if he continues to perform the way that he's been. Um, so, I don't know. People just got to be a little bit more mindful of that, especially with stars. Think back to, like, last year with Aiden Hutchinson. Took him a couple games to get going. People started to lose hope. But just give the rookie some time. Then you got Laporta, who just turns that all around and says, here I am. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Brian Branch, too. All the rookies look great on Brian Branch, man, what a game for that kid. That was awesome. He had Bijan's number the entire game. I loved his post-game comment about knocking off the helmet, too. That was, that was great. Fuck it, I'll take the flag, he says, quote. <laughs> <laughs> He's perfect. That really endeared him to Detroit and to the fans. I love it. We'll get into Brian Branch a little bit. I think we got a lot to discuss about him. But, yeah, we already mentioned our receivers, Amin Ra and uh, Khalif Raymond. They were, you know, really the only two receivers of, of any significance. But then Sam Laporta finally had his coming out party, and I said it last week, too. I want to see him a little bit more involved in the intermediate and deep passing game. Jared Goff you got finally hit him. Yep, that was a beautiful little half boot to the left. Just hit him on that post route right down the middle. I think I said that was the exact route I wanted to see him run. It was beautiful. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? Think back to a play last year with uh, another rookie of ours. Jamo? Oh, yeah, it looked like the exact same play. Yep. 
that's probably the play that's designed for Jamo when he comes back. But Laporta's been <laughs> looking good. Out yeah, the absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a, a little bit of a busted coverage there. But there was another play that he got a first down because he he got hit at like, you know, two yards to go. And there was like six or seven guys trying to take him down. He was still going. And then the lines, the offensive linemen pushed him over. Yeah, it was a thing of beauty. So, I mean, he's real tough. He had some good blocks. There was one block that I saw today on a Gibbs run. Gibbs ended up getting lit up after it, but Laporta's block was really nice. So, yeah, he's just a two-way tight end. And as a rookie, I mean, you don't really see them come out of their shell and have that early of success. But, I mean, he's setting records for rookie tight ends. So I like how we're using him. And when JMO comes back, I dare I even say it's going to be a three-headed monster for Goff. <laughs> How's uh how's Laporta looked um run blocking? That's something I haven't really paid attention to. Have you? Really nice, actually. There's three blocks that I can point to in all three of our games where he set up the run. But this Gibbs one, I mean, he had this uh, nice wham block uh, where he pulled over and kind of hit the uh, the defensive lineman and just blew him up. And Gibbs had a nice big hole. The linebacker came flying across. It wasn't Laporta's assignment and smoked Jameer Gibbs. But at the same time, he did make the play. And then the same with the Chiefs and the Seahawks. He had both of the key blocks to set up David Montgomery's touchdowns on those plays. So he's been doing it all, man. He's looking really, really nice. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Because I'd, lo- I'd love to keep the one tight end look as much as we can. And, I mean, that would require him to be a good you know, run blocker. So something I want to pay a little bit more attention to. Especially with J-Mo's return, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I don't mind him getting, you know, eight, nine, ten targets a game. I mean, he's making the most out of his opportunities. Oh, me neither. So. Yeah, absolutely. But I would say probably the low point on our offense was our offensive line. Um, definitely not our best performance. I, and, you know, it was, wasn't just in the pat, in pass protection. It was in the run game, too. Sure, we've got Vitae and we have uh, Taylor Decker out for a second straight week. But we started off with Matt Nelson, and he absolutely sucked, and I was cursing him for that chop block in the first quarter. Then he goes down, and I'm like, damn, okay, now we got Dan Skipper off the practice squad. Fuck, maybe I wish that I had him (laughs) back. And then Dan Skipper goes down after a drive or two, and we bring in Colby Soresdale, you know, making his rookie debut at right tackle, a position that he hasn't practiced since college. He's been exclusively guard throughout all of camp. I didn't know that. Yep, he was – a liability to say the least. He gave up a couple of pressures on Goff, including that one where he got hit really, really hard, smoked by a Bud Dupree. He just got pancaked, and Bud Dupree came down for a free hit on Goff. So he's got he's got some stuff to clean up, but at the same time, for his very first NFL game, just kind of thrust into action, he did all right. There was definitely a couple of plays where you got to clean it up, and it's going to be a good learning experience for him. I mean, he was super stoked just to have the opportunity, so he took it in stride, and hopefully we'll have uh, Taylor Decker back for next week. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I think um, I, I should throw out a quick disclaimer here. I was driving back from Tennessee yesterday, so I had the game on the radio and just kind of had my phone set up on the console, so I wasn't able to kind of really dissect the game how I usually do, but. Anyway, my overall impressions were, yeah, the offensive line wasn't what it should be. Um, obviously, that's a huge strength of our team. That's you know why we've won nine straight last year and continue this momentum into this season. Solid foundation for Jared Goff, but um, 
we got the job done. And I think at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah, you know, Goff had that bad hit and made some bad mistakes, made some bad plays because of that offensive line. But, um, you know, I mean, we have depth. It seems like we got it done at the end of the day. I guess that's my point I'm trying to make. And this is also the second week in a row where we've just been decimated by penalties. I think that Penny Sewell had two holding calls. Frank Ragnow, I think, had one too. You know, those are two Pro Bowl, borderline all-pro guys who know better than that. And, I mean, I, I trust them to clean it up, but at the same time, that really hurt us. I have some uh, some of the penalty numbers, and we'll get to that when we talk about the coaching staff here. But, yeah, not the best performance from our offensive line, but like you said, Brennan, we got it done, so I can't complain with it. We did just enough. You know, Goff had a fairly good amount of time to complete whatever pass that he wanted, even though half the time he was just going with his first or second read because – Amon Ra or Khalif Raymond had no issue getting open, and then you got Laporta to add on to it too. So, but let's talk about the stars of the show, and that is Aaron Glenn and our defense. Oh, what a bounce back! And abs- just night and day, what a difference one week can make. I mean, you go and look back at the Seahawks game, and it's <laughs> what. This is exactly what I said was going to happen, Nelly. I literally said, "Yes, it was a terrible <laughs> game. We need to learn from this and bounce back." I'm with you. There's a yes. Last week, last week, you guys were all ready to burn them at no, the stake. No, 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 no. <laughs> I literally said, I am not there yet. Everyone freaks out. He has a good game against the Chiefs, and he has a bad one at the Seahawks, and now he's on the hot seat. And I said, he's not there yet, and he just proved why. Dan came to fire under his ass. He let a put fire under all the defensive players' asses, and they showed up. All across the board, it was just a great performance. I think it was our defensive line and our linebackers' Best start so far. Sure, we've only had three games. Defensive backs looked all right as well. Uh, let's let's just talk about some of these players here individually, starting on the defensive line. I can't tell who is really better, the defensive line or the linebackers. I'll probably give it to the D-line this one. Starting with Aleem McNeil, I brought him up last week, saying, you know, maybe he's not ready to take that next step. He doesn't really have any of those dominant performances that, you know, you wish that you would see from a three-tech defensive tackle. And this was the game that really put him on the radar. Last year was against the Giants. He had a fantastic game then. Uh, He brought in a sack, a lot of pressure against the pass, and just stout against the run. He was all over the place running down the line. So we're finally starting to see those flashes out of him, which I like to see because, you know, he's been pretty dormant the past two weeks. I couldn't even tell you who was out there. It seemed like we were throwing so many different players out on the line. I mean, everybody contributed. We, what, had like four players with sacks? Yeah, we had a lot. I mean, Hutchinson, Charles Harris, Benito Jones, Aleem McNeil, they all had sacks. So that's four on the D-line. Six players. Yeah, because Derek Barnes and Jack Campbell. Yeah, yeah. So we had six different players with sacks for a total of seven sacks. I mean, it's night and day compared. And I don't know, Belly's over there laughing, but um, I think something you got to consider, too, is you know with the Chiefs and the Seahawks, I might get some hate on this for the Seahawks, but... I think even with the Seahawks injuries and the Chiefs, those are both very solid offensive lines. Atlanta, not so much. I think this was an area on that team that we were able to expose with our with our talent and really just our depth, especially with, with the defensive line. I mean, minus a couple injuries. Um, I think this defense looked the way that we expected them to going into this season. And it, it, I think it really just took a team like Atlanta to really showcase it. 
Well, I do disagree with that because I think that the Chiefs, yes, they have a pretty good offensive line. But then when you look at the Seahawks, they had no starting left or right tackle and their starting center was out. And that was Evan Brown, our backup center guard last year, who got hurt. So the Falcons, they have the at least these first two weeks dominated on the offensive line. And they are, I will mention that they are definitely better at run blocking than pass blocking. And there is yes. a big difference there. But at the same time, I think that really imp- what really impacted our defense was how we were lining these guys up. Yeah, Hutchinson played less snaps, so maybe he was a little bit more fresh. But I really credit Aaron Glenn with that for dialing out some blitzes, for confusing Desmond Ritter so he can't you know, get the right protection in place. And, I mean, we obviously reaped the reward seven sacks. Like you said, it was a thing of beauty. Aleem McNeil, Charles Harris, Benito Jones all had sacks. And then we got Aiden Hutchinson, two sacks. He's back. One strip sack, force fumble, and recovery at the very end. Two pass breakups. And he was just bringing pressure all game long. Beast against the run. He was just doing it all. And that's why we got him second overall. I mean, he is – this was kind of his game that proved that he has entered into the borderline elite territory. I mean, he's not quite up there with a Miles Garrett and uh, TJ Watt. But he's getting there, man. I mean, he keeps putting together tape like this. I, I'd, I'd have to look at the PFF, but I know last week he was leading the the league in pressures, and he definitely uh, helped himself out with that this last week against the Falcons. And just for some context here, the Falcons were so good at running the ball that coming into week three, they were averaging 170.5 rushing yards oh, yeah. per game. That's 4.8 yards per clip. And against the Lions, they had 44 rushing yards at 2.2 yards per carry so we absolutely dominated them that was their bread and butter that's what they needed to get going to have any kind of success on offense and we shut it down they followed the game plan that i wanted to see perfectly they weren't able to do anything with two great running backs in tyler algier and Bijan robinson gibbs really won that battle so hopefully that'll shut up some of the haters who don't like the Gibbs. Yeah, I, I I don't think there's any arguing that one. I mean, you look at someone like Bijan Robinson, you expect him to just run through our defense. And granted, he had a couple plays where he made us look silly. I mean, Anzalone and Branch, I think both got trucked. But I don't was that that wasn't even Bijan, was it? That was uh, Tyler Algier who did the one. Yeah, Anzalone. Yeah, Algier. Anyways, there's a couple plays like that where, you know, they'll, they'll probably be added to their, their season highlight reel. But, I mean, overall, yeah, you look at that 44 yards, no arguing our defense stepped up when we really needed them to. Yeah, that was about the only highlight that they had because, for the most part, we absolutely shut them down. And, you know, Anzalone, I think he kind of dove and then Branch tripped up over him. So, yeah, it looked like a pretty brutal play, but Brian Branch got him back on that very next play, so. Uh, yeah, let's talk about linebackers a little bit here because Jack Campbell had his first NFL sack right at halftime, and then he just runs to the locker room just to constantly. I was just going to say, that was so hype. He gets his sack and then just doesn't even celebrate, just books it straight to the tunnel, straight to the locker room. I love that. That is some grit. That is a Dan Campbell player right there. He just did his job, and then he was ready to line up for the next snap. Yeah. Uh, He's a football guy. That was nice to bring it into halftime. You didn't really notice him in the past game, which is good. Um, yep. And then, I mean, again, there weren't a whole lot of uh, opportunities just because Desmond Ritter, it wasn't exactly slinging it all over the field by any means. But all of our linebackers were sideline to sideline. Alex Anzalone had some nice tackles. He finished with five. Uh, Derek Barnes had a sack as well. 
But the one guy in the linebacker crew who's kind of started to stand out is Malcolm Rodriguez, the hard knocks darling from last year. He had a good special teams tackle, maybe one or two, but he's clearly the worst linebacker in this group at this point. And he's just getting exposed in coverage. I mean, quarterbacks are starting to pick on him, you know, and he's not, he's not wrapping up. He's not making tackles and it's pretty much an automatic completion. And, you know, best case, he just wraps them up for no gain, but it's been three games in a row where I'm like, why are we even giving him these snaps when we have Jack Campbell, Alex Anzalone and Derek Barnes who have all been very productive. So that's one thing that I can't really wrap my mind around right now. Yeah. It's a bit frustrating to see. Um, I mean, yeah, you're noticing teams are picking up on that. They're taking receivers and tight ends and just running them across his face, and it's working every single time. So something's got to change there. Yeah, I'm with you. It's not good. But, I mean, at the same time, there's a reason why, you know, he was just, I think, what, fifth, sixth-round pick, made the team, and he was a starting linebacker for us last year. So I think that some teams are starting to figure him out. But we just need to use them in situations better. You know, clearly coverage is not yeah. a strong suit, at least this year. You know, no. he is an undersized guy, but he is usually a solid tackler. It's just when I think guys are kind of running away from him and he can't use his, you know, wrestler leverage, that's when, you know, he's putting it in a position to fail. So I think we just need to be smart about how we use them. You know, I'm okay with him getting a couple of snaps, but at the same time, if you got Anzalone and Campbell and Barnes who are you know, looking great so far, it's tough for me to even take them off the field, even in like a three linebacker set, which we did run a couple of times this game. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, Rodrigo is someone that you want to have out there when you just need to stuff a hole. I mean, he's the type of guy who's just going to dive right in there and, and plug a hole as much as he can. I see Billy laughing over there. Stuffing <laughs> holes, baby. Stuffing Stuffin holes. That's Rodrigo. I mean, you know, all the Detroit women saw him on hard knocks. <laughs> no, but seriously, he he's not one who who's afraid of of, of contact. He's going to throw the body out there when he needs to. Uh, that's what I think his strong game is. But yeah, like you said, when he has to step back and play smart football, and um, that you know that's where he's going to struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just something to keep an eye on because you know I've given him a little bit of a leash the past couple of weeks, but it's three games in a row, and that's what I'm starting to notice. It was the same with Aline McNeil. Last week, I just kind of had it on my radar, and then boom, he showed up. So I'm not counting him out, but I'm just saying keep an eye on it. No, I'm not either. It's just like you said, we got to utilize him in the right situation. He's not a he's not a linebacker I feel comfortable just having out there all the time. Well, let's move on to our defensive backs here, and we'll just start off with a bang. Brian Branch, holy shit. We already talked about him. Yeah, wow. Bit, but that welcome to the league. Yeah, well, I think he he already had the the INT for the touchdown oh, pick six. So pick six. You can't even Let's take that back. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and you know, you didn't really notice him as much in the Seattle game, but he just came back in a storming fashion, eleven tackles, three tackles for a loss in the open field, two pass breakups. I mean, he was doing everything, led the team in tackles. I mean, is he the best player in the world at this point? I really can't say that he's not. I mean, I haven't looked at the odds for decent defensive rookie of the year, but you got to think that he's being considered at this point. I mean, you can't keep him off the list. I mean, 
He did it all. Desmond Ritter couldn't do shit against him. He took down Kyle Pitts. He smoked Bijan a couple of times. He smacked Tyler Algier. I mean, those are powerful runners. And I mean, you know, Desmond Ritter, obviously not like a bowling ball by any means. But at the same time, there was just no worries when it came to an open field tackle. And what really impresses me on how quickly he can diagnose those plays, sniff it out, and then just go and make the tackle. And like you said in that post game when he was asked about the flag, fuck it, I'll take the flag just so Bijan knows that I'm here. <laughs> That's some swag that we need. You know, he's been kind of one of the quieter guys throughout camp. Um, but I think now he's starting to get, you know, a little bit of cockiness to him, which I like in my defensive backs. I think that CJGJ is rubbing off on him a tad. So I was just going to say that. Yeah, with CJ out, we need someone, uh, you know, with a little confidence, a little bit of swagger, and it seems like he's going to try and fill that role. All right, I mean, last thing on Branch before we move on, I just I just got to give him a shout-out. I mean, I know it was a penalty, but the one play where he, with one arm, was able to just grab Bijan's jersey and rip him to the ground. I mean, Bijan's six foot two fifteen, and someone like Brian Branch just to throw him and ragdoll him like that. I mean, we're talking about we're hyping this kid up. I just it sucks that that was a penalty. I didn't think he was a horse collar, but I guess the rules changed. You can't grab above the nameplate. But uh, quite honestly, I, I I loved it. I thought it was a it was a great play. Unfortunately, it was a penalty, but got to give the kid some credit. I agree. I think both of the penalties on him were weak, honestly, because like he. He didn't grab the collar. He didn't grab like the the side, like under the shoulder pad. They said that you can't grab him around his nameplate. Like I'm not denying he grabbed his jersey and pulled him down. But there's nothing wrong with that. You can grab a player's dreads and pull him down, but you can't grab onto the back of a jersey. Like that's bullshit. I don't get it. And then also on his helmet to helmet contact with Bijan, Bijan lowered his head right into him. Like, what are you supposed to do about that? So I, I thought that was bullshit, but, you know, he has that fucking attitude, and so do I about it. I mean, at that point, the game was pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered, so it doesn't really matter to me. But <laughs> I just couldn't believe it when I saw Bijan's helmet rolling across the turf. Holy shit, was that awesome. I know the Falcons haven't exactly played any world-beater defenses, but, you know, just to be able to stop him. I mean, if we can stop the Falcons and their rushing attack, there's not a lot of teams in the NFL who could really, you know, do something like that to us. And, you know, I've said it for a while, but the last time we struggled in run defense was against the Panthers, and we have shut down everybody else for probably like 16 games straight when it comes to running the football. So it's very encouraging to see just another – Great game, a nice statement game for Aaron Glenn to get us back on track. And then our safeties, we had Tracy Walker and Afatu Melifonwu filling in. Kirby Joseph missed week three against the Falcons. And then obviously CJ GJ out for the season with a torn peck. That news broke right after we finished recording last Monday. So Tracy Walker, glad we didn't trade him because he is an easy starter to sub in. He did drop two interceptions, but he did have a big hit on uh, Jonu Smith, who just leveled him. You like to see Tracy come down with those balls. And then, you know, I kind of joked like, okay, yeah, we're going to be fine. We got Tracy Walker filling in and a Fatu Melifonwu. Like, what could go wrong? And I was just kind of joking like we're fucked with a Fatu Melifonwu. But honestly, I thought the same thing. I I talked some shit about a Fatu Melifonwu, but he backed it up and he actually looked pretty fucking good. 
Uh, he had a tackle for loss and a pass breakup. He had some nice hits. He was one of the highest PFF graded players on the Lions defense. So he had a hell of a game, honestly. I think it was his second career start and the first one he got pulled like due to an injury. So it was nice to see him step up. Don't know if I want to roll the dice and against the Packers with him starting at safety. So hopefully Kirby will be back, but still really good job when we needed him to step up. And then last but not least, we got Jerry Jacobs kind of the sour spot again. He's getting killed in coverage. Still gave up a couple of completions and there wasn't a lot to go around. And then he's also getting really grabby drawing these DPIs. So that's my biggest problem with him. I've noticed that in the first two games also, he's just, yeah, a little bit too grabby. Not really. Uh, he's playing too tight on his receivers and drawing a lot of penalties. I do love how physical he is. Like, he's a great tackler yeah. most of the time. And, you know, he's good in man coverage, but that's going to get you every now and then. And it seems it is. Uh, it's, it's the type of shit that kills the Lions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just seems like the past two weeks, it's been right in our face for big plays or big penalties. So. Yeah, he's got some stuff to clean up, but Emmanuel Mosley, he's been limited through last week and, you know, today in um, in practice. So hopefully we could be getting a first look at him possibly as soon as Thursday. We will see about that. But let's wrap up this, uh, this Falcons game talking about our coaching staff here, starting with Dan the Man Campbell. And pretty perfect game from him. I agreed with all the, the punts and the field goals when we took them. You know, there was one where we were uh, fourth and goal with five yards to go, and we took the points because I think that Dan Campbell understood that this isn't exactly a prolific offense that's built to put up points quick. So we took the points when we could. You know, we didn't give them a good a good field to run their offense on. Actually, no fourth down attempts at all this game. Honest, you obviously got to clean up the penalties. 10 for 119 yards. There was a huge disparity between us and the Falcons. I don't have their numbers right in front of us, but we definitely were uh, – we got screwed over by some penalties, and a lot of those were self-inflicted. I'm not saying that it was the officials by any mean, but um, outside of that one challenge on the Tracy Walker interception where he kind of tried to pinch it between his legs – I thought it was a great game overall, and he obviously got the boys juiced up and ready to go after that uh, Seahawks loss. Yeah, I don't think you can really uh, blame Dan for, for that challenge. I mean, it was most likely someone upstairs, and he had to make a quick decision to trust that call, and obviously we at home saw that that was not even close. But, um, yeah, overall, pretty happy with Dan. Didn't seem like he was making um, any questionable decisions. Uh, yeah, no fourth down attempts. That's interesting. Um, I'm looking for four for 14 on third down. Uh, I don't know if that's Dan or Ben, but I'd like to see that a little bit higher. Um, we tied Atlanta on that stat line, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think, uh, I think the coaching staff was fine. Um, Aaron Glenn obviously really stepped it up from last week, but, um, yeah, nothing more, more to really say there. And with Aaron Glenn, I think that the thing that he did was just changing how our defense was built against this matchup. Like I mentioned with linebacker blitzes against the pass rush, we had Derek Barnes and we had Jack Campbell pick up some sacks. We ran some one safety looks that was actually surprisingly effective. And you know, a lot of that has to do with the Falcons inability to throw the ball. We held them to no touchdowns, just made them settle for field goals, even when they were in our territory. And yeah, I mean, I thought he absolutely righted the ship. It was a dominant performance and something that he needed to do to silence the haters. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last but not least, not a lot of note for uh, Ben Johnson. I thought he was a lot more conservative and methodical in his play calling than he normally is. He definitely sprinkled in some of those shots downfield. Um, you know, we would just pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball, then play action. I like that. That's a good yeah. success there. The one problem that I had with Ben Johnson was when Colby Soresdale was in, we were running the ball to the right side. It, I, I looked up the numbers and I thought it was a lot more than it was. But when we ran to the right of the center, aka Soresdale and Graham Glasgow, we had seven carries, seven carries for 12 yards at 1.7 yards per carry. And we ran it to the left with our pro bowlers, 10 carries for 68 yards, 6.8 yards per carry. So why don't we just normalize running to the left and then we switch it up and run to the right every now and then? I think it should be a little bit more than 10 carries compared to seven. That's pretty close to down the middle. I'd say like, you know, more of like a 12 and four would be a little bit more uh, acceptable for me. So that's the one thing is let's just use, you know, what we've got. If they can see it coming, good luck. I mean, good luck stopping Penny Sewell and Frank Ragnow and Jonah Jackson on the left side. Like, I don't care if that's the strong side and that's where they're stacking them. Make them put four, five, six guys over on that side. Then we can bounce it to the right where we actually have an advantage. Yeah, I think really going into this game, um, it, it seemed like the mindset was probably just to play as conservative as possible against a team like Atlanta. I mean, they're coming off, what, like a 7-10 and 10 season last year. I mean, uh, this is a team that we should beat. Um, I mean, w- I don't know much about their offseason outside of picking, off, picking up Bijan. Um, so I, I really do think everyone's mindset was to play as conservative as possible, play fundamental football. We didn't see a lot of trick plays. Um, I think we're just, you know, we're suiting up for next week. Green Bay is, that, that's, that's really what's on our radar, right? Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. So let's put this one in the rear view mirror. We're two and one, and we've got a big challenge coming up Thursday night football. So let's move on to our game ball and our burning bag of dog shit. And then we'll really just put the clamps on this Green Bay Packers team. So who's getting your game ball this week, Belly? It's got to be Sam Laporta. That was the touchdown that uh, I loved the most out of all of them. Um, yeah, he's looking good to start the season. Hopefully, hopefully he keeps that rolling through the season. Uh, you liked it more than Jared Goff's boot out to the left. Just dangle <laughs> Calais Campbell. I must say that I did. Okay, that's fine. I know you got a bias for tight ends. And then I'll do John's as well since he's not here to speak for himself. John's giving the game ball to the rookies because they all look so legit. <laughs> and he's not wrong. Funny way to phrase it, but yeah. <laughs> they all look so legit. Branch Laporta, Gibbs, Soresdale got his first start. And who can forget Jack Campbell with his first sack, too? So it's a good game ball. What about you, Brendo? Who's getting your game ball? Yeah, I think for me, I got to agree with you guys. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear Branch and Laporta are just no longer reaches when we're talking about the draft. But um, since that was what everyone else said, I got to give credit to to that uh, that skeleton crew of an offensive line. Zero sacks on Goff, and then our defensive line, seven sacks on Riddler. So uh, I'm going to go with both our, our O-line. The Riddler! <laughs> Batman villain suiting up for the Falcons. <laughs> Get out there, Riddler. Tell him an old thing. <laughs> the Riddler! Yeah, give it to the big boys up front. They deserve their respect. For me, I'm giving my game ball. I got a couple on here. I'm going to give it to Aleem McNeil just because I did bring him up last week and you know questioned if he was ready to take the next step. 
and he's back on my radar now. He had a great game against the run, against the pass. He was looking really solid. So, Aleem McNeil, I rescind what I said last week. Your My questions have been answered. You can stay, friend. And now, the burning bags of dog shit. Belly, who's getting the burning bag? It's got to be the Riddler. <laughs> he looked he looked like absolute dog doo-doo, man. It was not a good game for him. Um, I mean, I think they've been <laughs> relying a little too heavily on the run because he looked like he could not throw a thing. Drake London was supposed to be uh, full of promise, especially after a solid rookie campaign. And uh, aside from touchdown he's just not producing so i'm putting the whole burning bag on the riddler yep fuck the riddler we don't have to see him again and then for john uh florida for not allowing sports betting so since he's on vacation i guess he wasn't able to log any bets so john likes to flex how many units he's up so far this year and well, i guess he's gonna have to kick the can down the road and move on to week four and he picked a bad week to miss out on betting i'll get to that in a minute here but who's getting your burning bag of dog shit brendan yeah, I think for me, it's got to be Malcolm Rodriguez. I just personally think he's a liability. Like kind of what we talked about, he's a situational player. We got to know when to use him. He's not someone that I'm comfortable with leaving on the field all the time. Yep. Just a couple of snaps. You know, he's a good guy to have if we have injuries or something like that. But when Barnes and, and Campbell and Anzalone are looking so good, I mean, why take him out? So I'm with you there. We talked I about agree. it. But my burning bag of dog shit, it's going to Tracy Walker. And I did love his game, but he dropped two interceptions, which for me was absolutely crucial because I had the Desmond Ritter over 0.5 interceptions at plus 130. And so when he had that (laughs) in between the legs pick, I didn't see it go between the legs. So I thought for sure he had it. And so this week I went like 12 and 13 or 13 and two. And that was one of the bets that I lost. So Tracy Walker, I was so close to perfection. If you would have had that, I would have been that much closer. But still a solid player. I'm glad we have him to fill in while CJGJ's out and he's looking good. Turn it into an interception next time. That's all I'm asking for. But that's going to do it for our Falcons-Lions recap. We're moving on to Thursday night football because this week we are going to the not-so-frozen tundra of Green Bay, Wisconsin, and taking on the Packers. We know that plays pretty well, don't we, in the words of Dan Campbell. It's going down September 28th at 8.15 p.m. Get your popcorn, folks. You're not going to want to miss this one. The Packers are tied with the Lions, 2-1. and The spread is currently Lions minus 1. Saw it jump to minus 1.5 at some point today as well, but I check in the morning, so... And the over-under is set at 45. Uh, last week, the Saints won in a thriller against the Saints after Derek Carr went down with an injury. I did not see the entire game, but from what I've heard, Jordan Love looked pretty good, and he uh, really got the Packers back into it to take the win by one point. Last year. Yeah, I for me, I have I think I watched week one and maybe a little bit of week two. I didn't catch the Packers yesterday, but I mean, to me, they looked like a very similar Packers team to last year i think uh jordan love has been able to fill aaron Rodgers' shoes very well um at least in the first couple games that i saw but um yeah i don't think we should overlook green bay no not at all i mean the bears and vikings both sitting at zero and three packers are tied with us last year we swept their asses dan campbell's three and one versus the packers so far throughout his tenure here in detroit but At the same time, I'm not sleeping on the Packers. I said it before. 
in our season preview. They're the guys that we need to beat. It's going to go through Green Bay. Vikings had a lot of close games. They still have that old regime, but the Packers have some good young defensive players. Jordan Love's first year, obviously, that's going to be the headline here. But let's hop into it. And first, we'll talk about some of the Lions' key injuries because the Packers have a few of their own as well. I was going through an injury report for teams, and all these teams have like one, two, maybe three players. The Lions have eight players on their injury report, and the Packers have nine. And I will say that the Lions looks a little bit more favorable because you got David Montgomery, who's questionable. He was limited. Kirby Joseph has a hip. He was limited. And then Taylor Decker with an ankle. So with Matt Nelson out, uh, Soresdale and Skipper are kind of the only two guys we have available at tackle right now. We really need Taylor Decker back. I don't know how serious his ankle injury is, but... I mean, it's an ankle, man. We might need you to step up for this one because it's got some importance for the uh, the NFC North standings here. So he was limited. All three of those guys were limited. David Montgomery, it's kind of weird. It's just such a weird injury, a thigh bruise. Gibbs looked good in the second half versus the Falcons, but Craig Reynolds and uh, Zonovan Knight just can't replace Demo. And for a physical game that we want to play against Green Bay, we really would like to see him back. It would help us a lot. Yeah, I really hope uh, there's not more to the Montgomery uh, injury. It seems like a weird thing to to keep you out. Um, but who knows? I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I said the same thing about Amon Ra when uh, he hurt his toe and then he went out in the fourth quarter due to cramps. Uh, personally, I feel like they were probably working on that toe a little bit more. But um, yeah, I think the biggest biggest one for me is is the king of the Packers, Mr. Kirby Joseph. I hope he can continue his dominance over them with their new quarterback, Jordan Love. Yep, he's got three interceptions in two games against the Packers. And as good as if he was against the Falcons, I really don't want to roll him out against Green Bay because, I mean, Kirby is just a ball hawk. He's the guy that you want back there. Tracy Walker is a very similar player too, but I, I really just want Kirby, honestly. I don't want to roll the dice for another week, even though the Falcons did beat the Packers. It's Jordan Love. It's a rivalry. I don't want to have any excuses. So the more the merrier. But like I said, the Packers do have some issues of their own. Um, Jordan Love started off his first three games without his number one wide receiver, Christian Watson. Aaron Jones and David Bakhtiari, starting left tackle, have been out the last two games as well. And as much as I hate to see it, Jordan Love has been looking pretty okay so far. Yeah, Definitely an upgrade from Desmond Ritter. Um, and, you know, he he doesn't have the best completion percentage, but he is taking relatively good care of the football. He has one fumble and one interception on the on the year so far, and he's getting it done with his legs, too. I think they ran him nine times last week against the Saints. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's still settling in, but, you know, I've seen some throws where he just kind of gets rattled and panics, throws the ball away, which I think has a lot to do with his low uh, completion percentage. There was one play I saw where he was getting uh, chased down, and then he just kind of turned and had like little Bambi legs, is what the uh, the tweet that I saw <laughs> was, and he just kind of chucked it like as far as he could, trying to get it out of bounds. So yeah, uh, I will say he's not looking at this moment like a Brett Favre, or Aaron Rodgers, but he can put the ball in the air, and his receivers, even without Christian Watson, are looking good. So. If they go another week without Christian Watson, I mean, any injury is going to help us out, you know? Yeah. 
Romeo Dobbs, solid. We all know Jaden Reed, former Spartan, very well. They got two new rookie tight ends in there as well, so a very young receiving core. Um, but he does have some solid options, so it does kind of scare me a little bit. And then Aaron Jones, too, he's had a hamstring injury. He went off week one against, uh, who did they play week one? The Bears. Um, but he's a huge threat in the receiving game, too. So I'm not taking him lightly and as a running back or as a receiver. So he's got some options that he can throw, too. It just depends on who's going to be available. But even if Aaron Jones can't go, they still got A.J. Dillon, and I've never been the biggest fan of A.J. Dillon. He's just kind of, you know, like he's 240, 250 pounds. He's a big bruiser of a running back. But, you know, that's kind of really all he does. And he hasn't really been very effective without Aaron Jones in there as the change of pace guy. It's kind of like when we had Swift and Jamal. Yeah, It's kind of the tandem that they run there. But A.J. Dillon... You know, he's just kind of that big bowling ball who's just going to rumble forward for three yards, but that's really all you're going to get. It's not like a David Montgomery who can, you know, bust it out for, you know, maybe like five, six yards as opposed to the three that we were getting with Jamal. So he's definitely going to be a, a tough load to take down. Definitely the biggest running back that we've had to go against this year. Outside, I mean, Zach Charbonnet is a pretty big guy as well, but just keep an eye on him in that running back situation, whatever Aaron Jones is going to be, uh, he's going to be suiting up for him. Oh, I'm banking on him staying cold because I just dropped him in fantasy to pick up Thielen. So. Well, Thielen's looking really nice, too. And with Andy Dalton, yeah. Red Rocket going yeah. out there. Oh, Red Rifle. <laughs> I feel like I made that mistake last year, too. Called him the Red Rocket. But we got uh, Romeo Dobbs, who's been stepping up. He's a second-year receiver out of Nevada. He had a really nice touchdown grab against the Saints that I saw. So a lot of potential, but... I mean, if you're putting Cam Sutton on Romeo Dobbs, I like that matchup. Cam Sutton on Christian Watson, then you got Jerry Jacobs on Dobbs. Eh, maybe I don't like that quite as much. But maybe we'll have Emmanuel Mosley back too. He was the 49ers' number one cornerback until he went down with ACL, and he could be looking to make his Lions debut this year. That would give us two bookends at corner with Brian Branch at nickel. And, oh, man, I just can't wait to see him fuck up some Packers wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, whoever they put up against him. But you, Jordan Love's not going to run to his side when he tries to scramble against our Absolutely not. pass rush. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I, I really think it, for me, um, I think it's a very similar Green Bay team as last year. I think it really just comes down to uh, how Jordan Love's going to play. If he's burning our defenders and safety or cornerbacks and safeties, we're probably going to struggle. But if we can keep him in line, uh, hopefully get him on the ground a couple times, I, I think the Lions walk out of Green Bay with a dub. Losing David Bakhtiari is a, a huge hit for the Packers, too, because he's so good as a run blocker and a pass blocker. So without him, we could be bringing a lot of pressure. I didn't even mention Elton Jenkins. I can't remember if he's their guard or tackle, but he missed last week, too, and he's questionable. A lot of these guys, they're saying almost doubtful, like did not participate. So they're really going to have something together pretty quick if they're going to be ready for Thursday. It just makes me wonder, like, maybe the Packers sat all these guys against the Saints because they knew they had a big matchup against the Lions, and that makes me think the same for us. Maybe we sat Taylor Decker and Kirby Joseph to give them, you know, just a couple more days before we take on the Packers here. So we will wait and see, keep an eye on that, see who's in and out. Yeah, I didn't know that. I just saw that Jones and obviously Watson were out. I didn't realize they were missing two starting O-linemen, too. 
Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, maybe we luck out and, you know, everyone has injuries. I know that the Chiefs had it. We've had it. Seahawks had it. Everyone's got them. So, I mean, it's what you it's, – it's just based on your depth and how you can perform when you don't have those key pieces because we're pretty banged up right now as well, and we've still been able to string together some wins. So, I say we just blitz Brian Branch every play and let him expose those backups. Yeah, let him have at it. Let him just fuck Jordan Love up and let him know that he's here. <laughs> I mentioned it earlier. The Packers defense is what we really need to look out for because as many question marks as the Packers and Jordan Love bring to their offense, the Packers have some really young dynamite players on their defense. Jer Alexander has been their CB1 for the past, I don't know, six, seven years. One of the best in the league. He was out last week against the Saints with a back injury. It would be absolutely huge if he missed another week because he does have some swag. He has that moxie. He wants to, you know, be physical and get up in your best receiver's face. I've seen him in person, man, and he knows how to rattle some cages. So I would love not to go against him, but we've got Amon Ross St. Brown. We got Josh Reynolds. We got Sam Laporta. We got Khalif Raymond. Line them up, baby. We'll we'll make it work with somebody. I don't think I think that that's probably their. Uh, weakest position on defense is their defensive backs outside Alexander. Their defensive line is stacked. They got the, they got Devontae Wyatt. They've got Rashawn Gary. They got Kenny Clark. Rashawn Gary had three sacks against the Saints last week. Uh, well, just yesterday. And then Kenny Clark had one as well. Devontae Wyatt, first round pick out of Georgia. Quade Walker is another linebacker they got out of Georgia two years ago. And then they got the rookie Lucas Van S too, kind of the last of the blue chip Hawkeye players. We got two Packers got the last one in Van S. So um, yeah, defensive line and their linebacking core look really good. Devondre Campbell, their other starting linebacker, he left the game in the Saints with a with an ankle injury. So that's, you know, five, six key guys who are out right now for the Packers. You know, even if three of those guys don't play, that's going to be huge. So definitely not taking them on at, at the Packers' full strength. But then again, they're not taking on us at our full strength either. So let's get to some score predictions here. <laughs> Belly, how do you see this one going down? Um, I picked the Packers over the Lions because if I don't, no one else will. You cocksucker. I saw you had Lions in the dock at first, and you changed it to just to be a contrarian. Well, yeah, otherwise the show would stink. All right, John's got Lions 21 to 20. Good man, John. What about you, Brennan? I know that Vegas has Lions as a one and a half point favorite, but I think Lions are going to come out to Lambeau and just absolutely stomp the, the Packers. I got them at 28 to 13, Lions. You, a little while ago, you just said, don't sleep on them. Now they're getting stomped. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, don't sleep on them, but they are getting fucking stomped. And I agree with you, Brendo. I got the Lions winning 27 to 17. Get an alternate spread going on there. Lions minus six and a half. Get yourself a payday. But let's move on here. We're getting into some of the belly segments here. Starting with betting with the belly. Welcome back to my little corner where we place bets and see what happens. Going over last week, Corbin. Went a stellar three and one, putting him at eight and four on the year. John, myself, and Mart all went one and three. John and I are fighting for the bottom. I'm five, six, and one, and he is five and seven. So I got a narrow lead on him. Could change in one week. Moving right on to this week's picks. Corbin, hit us with your favorite to start it off. 
I'm taking the Chargers versus Raiders. They are four and a half point favorites. It's an interdivision game, which is always a little bit scary, but it's at home. Chargers finally got a win, rise to one and two. And the Raiders just do not look good. I don't have any questions about the Chargers being able to put up points. I mean, if the Raiders let the Steelers drop, what was it, 20, 21 points on them, then I think the Chargers can put up over 30, and I just don't think that the Raiders have what it takes offensively to keep up with that. So I'm taking the Chargers this week. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Herbert, Jimmy G. Out with a concussion right now. Who knows when he'll be back. Only big story for the Chargers is Mike Williams went down for the season. We'll see if QJ can step into his shoes. For my favorite, I'm going with Philly minus seven at the commies. Um, Philly's just a great-looking team. And uh, after seeing what Sam Howell did this week, no thank you. Give me Philly minus seven. John's pick is Chiefs minus nine at the Jets, which the Jets have been an absolute dumpster fire as of this season after losing Aaron Rodgers. And the Chiefs got back to form last week and absolutely throttled the Chicago Bears. Brennan, tell us about your favorite. The smart gambler in me would take Philly and the Chiefs, but listen, we got the Lions at minus one and a half at Green Bay. I'm loving that line. I think the Lions just come in here, and as much as I'd like for them to dominate, I'm comfortable at minus one and a half. That's a logical pick. Saw that coming a mile away. Moving on, going to your dog, Corbin. (laughs) Tell me about your barking dog. My underdog is the almost record-setting Dolphins and their offense going to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Another interdivision game, which does scare me, but the Dolphins are two-and-a-half-point underdogs. They just dropped 70 on the Broncos, and the Bills has a significantly better defense, and they've got Josh Allen, who can also huck the ball too. But how can you bet against this Dolphins offense at this point? They're 3-0. and I think that they're coming to bring the heat against the Bills. And just to cover two points, I think they could win this game outright. So I might be sprinkling a little money line on the the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad pick. Um, I like them. They were absolutely electric. If you owned all Dolphins on your fantasy team, you would have scored over 200 points, which is absolutely insane. Don't hate it, but we'll see if Josh Allen can hold. Moving on to my dog, I'm going with the Rams plus one at the Colts. Uh, the Colts burned me this week on a Ravens bet. So you know what? Lightning can't strike twice. Give me the Rams and that everybody eats offense. Um, John seems to agree with me. He also took the Rams plus one for reasons I just stated. I hope. And now moving on to Brendan's dog. See, I disagree. I think Richardson comes back and they dominate the Rams, but Colts my dog good. of the I week. Agree. Yeah, I, th- I think they're, they're sleeper. I mean, Richardson's got, what, three or four rushing touchdowns already in his first two games, and they looked fine without him last week. So anyways, for me, I'm going to have to stay with Corbin. If I'm putting my life savings on a team to cover, I think it's Miami at plus two and a half. Three and O team coming off of a 70 point game. I don't know how a team like that is an underdog. Say less. Yep. Moving on to the over unders. Corbin, hit it you over. Going with the Broncos and Bears. Both teams fucking suck. (laughs) Even though the Bears and the Broncos are coming off of losses, they both still put up some points. Both of their defenses are absolutely atrocious. The Bears obviously have Justin Fields, and I feel like he's reached the point where he doesn't give a fuck. He's going to be aggressive and try and get some points. And then you got Sean Payton, the offensive mastermind. Russell Wilson's actually looking pretty good. It wasn't the Broncos' offense that really lost them this game. It was their defense. So 
45 points. I mean, give me the Broncos 28 to 24 over the Bears. That's what I'm thinking is a fair score in this one. Two crappy teams make a lot of points. I don't hate that logic. Um, I, myself, uh, I am going. So everything in my lifeblood says that the Bengals Titans will go under 42 and a half. Therefore, I never get these right. I'm going against what my brain thinks <laughs> just so the coin flip goes to the other side. Moving on to John's under. He's got the Dolphins and the Bills. He thinks it's going to be an absolute shootout with the way the team's offensives have been performing. And then going over to Brendan, wrap it up for the over. Yeah, I think just continuing our conversation, Rams, Colts, I like them over 45 and a half. I think Richardson comes back, gets some rushing touchdowns, gets the ball in the air, and then you got Stafford on the other end just tossing the ball up. So uh, I think we just got a notification that uh, Nakua is back also. I like the over in this game. I think these are two solid offensive teams who can score more than 45 and a half points. All right. Don't love Anthony Richardson. I think he was a terrible quarterback in college, but uh, <laughs> I don't think he's any good of a quarterback in the NFL. He's just going to run himself into another injury. Um, that's just me, though. He could perform in that game. Guy's definitely an electric athlete. Going to the under, Corby hit me with it. Taking the Lions Packers under as much as I'd love to see some points and drop 50 on these motherfuckers. I do think it's going to be a hard-nosed game. I think that the Lions are going to want to play a defensive style of football similar to how we treated the Falcons because that did work well for us. And I think, yeah, we were uh, we hit the under in the Chiefs game too. So our two wins on the season, we've been hitting unders. I think that the Lions are going to put up, you know, 25, 30 points. Packers are going to be around like 20 points. So I'll take the under in this one. Not bad, not bad. Going on to myself, I got the Browns and the Ravens under 41 um, I was pretty dialed into that Ravens pick. It was one of my suicide picks. And, uh, yeah, they lost to the Colts, and their offense didn't look that good. And, man, did the Browns beat the living shit out of the Titans. Ryan Tannehill just got his ass handed to him. It's a stout run defense, so Derrick Henry was stifled. So I think they can do the same thing to the Ravens with their carousel of plug-and-play running backs that they got going on because everybody just keeps getting hurt over there. John's under is the Bears and the Broncos under 45. Uh, looks like he just doesn't like what Corbin picked. I don't know his reasoning. He's in Florida. Can't defend himself. <laughs> um, going on to – but Brendan can defend him. Let's see what you got to say, Brendan. <laughs> I can defend him. Uh, sorry, Corbin, but, I mean, both of these quarterbacks are just looking awful this year. Justin Fields could barely even get off the field last week. Um I don't see much offense happening in this game. I take Bears Broncos under 45. Well, if Justin Fields can't get off the field, then that's a good thing for your offense. And I'm pretty sure when I said this pick, you're like, yeah, okay, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're backtracking on me. All right, let me clarify when I say he couldn't get off the field. I don't know if you saw that (laughs) clip after he got smoked. He was walking back, and the player had to drag him off the field. He might even be on concussion protocol. Who knows if he even plays? And if Justin Fields is out, throw the backup in, and then they have a better chance of winning because he sucks. <laughs> I can't argue with that. <laughs> I can spin it however way you want me to. We can keep going. <laughs> Did I really agree with you on that? There's no way. Yeah, we'll check the tape, but I'm pretty sure you're like, yeah, okay, nice. When I said two shitty teams equal a lot of points, you're like, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Me. That's twice this time that I've been called out for going back on my word. I don't like no, that. No, it's all right. Okay. Best part is we don't actually put money on it. So, <laughs> yeah. 
But we do have our nice punishment, the nine by nine by nine hot dogs, beers, and innings challenge. So that so will suck. It's a way worse punishment than what we actually had an idea for. Fucking guess. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. Actually, speaking of that, so I am in the process of working out the logistics of a side bet for the Packers Lions game. I'm in a fantasy football league with a couple of Packers fans. And so I've tried to get them to put money on the Lions versus Packers, like better record. They won't do it. So it's basically it, this morning, it was basically a pick them Lions minus one Packers plus one. And I said, Hey, let's do a bet. Just like a punishment bet. We don't have to have any money on it. So I like brainstorm a bunch of ideas. And the two that we're down to are uh, making a TikTok account and then having to post like a dance or something until you get a hundred likes on it. And then also going vegan for a week. So I might be going vegan for an <laughs> entire week. And that is going to fucking suck at the line. If, and uh, there's no way that they're going to lose. So that guy's going to be going vegan for an entire week. The Lions walk into Green Bay and wipe the floor with the Packers. It's a week. It wouldn't be that tough. It would too, elaborate man. on the elaborate on the TikTok punishment. I'm confused. You have to like share it until you get a hundred likes, or like I don't understand. I don't know how TikTok. Works I, that I well, saw but... I saw this thing. It was so there was this thing that came up on Instagram or Facebook or something that brainstormed a bunch of fantasy football punishments. That was one of them, and it was you have to do a TikTok dance daily until one of them hits 100 likes. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, what if you go viral and then you make a bunch of money exactly. out of it? Exactly, so it could, could be a win-win. Then we can quit doing this Then we can quit doing this show. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't going to happen. We'll do it till we die. But yeah, I, I don't think, think so. <laughs> you could just take a bunch of Adderall and then not even worry about having to be vegan. <laughs> True. I just Brendan, won't eat at all. Just fast. Brendan goes for a scorched week. earth. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. If I can't eat meat, I'm not eating at all. <laughs> Being a strict vegan for me, someone who loves cheese, meat, dairy. I don't know, man. It's Corbin's gonna just I'm gonna ripping be on, like, a whole gallon of two percent a day. <laughs> not far off, honestly. And it used to be vitamin D, aka whole milk. So. I switched it down to 2%. I'm not an animal anymore. Whole milk's so fucking, fucking good. Sweet vitamin D. I know, dude. It's so much better. Everyone's like, oh, no, it's too thick. Bull fucking shit. First of all, if you're one of the people that make fun of people for drinking milk, like in a glass, you can go and fuck yourself. Milk is one of the best drinks of all time. Was it you who did I ever ask you about if you have five fingers and each finger can dispense a liquid? What would they be? I don't I know ask if you milk about that would be time. on there. What a question. Uh, yeah, I, milk is definitely up there. That was the first thing I thought of. Vitamin D milk, and I could just pour an unlimited amount from my finger whenever I want. Milk, Coors Light, liquid gold, gasoline, and then I had like Pappy Van Winkle. We, we definitely did this before. I remember you using gasoline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, This is definitely something we talked about on an old episode. We can roll back the tape, see what we picked. That was something like that, but milk. So I might be going vegan for the entire week. We'll see. Lions money line, baby. Don't fail me now. I really don't want to miss out on that sweet, sweet meat. But let's wrap up the bets and move on to the Survivor League update. What do we got, Bell? Yeah, going over last week's pick, uh, we had Corbin who had the Chiefs, which was correct. Uh, myself, I had the 49ers, which I changed it on the website. Total dumbass to the Baltimore Ravens, which is just upsetting. 
And then John had the Jaguars, so he is eliminated. Um, big upsets this week. The Cowboys lost to the Cardinals, which I think almost everybody thought was an absolute lock. Um, Josh Dobbs did his thing, though, kind of exposed Dak Prescott. The whole team did. Um, on top of that, the Jaguars got throttled by the Texans. Trevor Lawrence couldn't stop turning the ball over. So C.J. Stroud and the boys took home the win. And then last but not least, a few just sad, sad souls had the Ravens versus the Colts. And uh, I know when we all saw Justin Tucker coming down to that last second 60-yarder, we thought there was no way the golden leg could miss. And he came up short. It was dead straight, but came up a couple yards short. Went to overtime. Colts took it. So we are down to about 25, 26 people left in the pool. It's anybody's game. We'll see if it ends quickly this year, if it ends in week four. Can't wait for next week. Going into next week's picks, though, we got a couple big favorites on the line. Corbin, start us off. Yeah, everyone's dropping like flies, and I'm still in it. So I'm playing it safe, and I saved the 49ers against the Giants so I could use them this week. 49ers are 14-point favorites home versus the Cardinals. Another interdivision game. I don't know what's up with me taking these because they are always risky when it comes into like a division rival, but I don't think that the fe- the uh, Cardinals can catch lightning in a bottle twice, and the 49ers offensively and defensively have been dominant, so I'll take them. That's the safest pick you can make this week. Yep, that was the rationale I had when I switched over to the Ravens. I didn't like a lot of the matchups this week, and the 49ers seemed like a certified lock. Um, but for me, I'm going to take Eagles at home versus the Commanders. I think last I checked, they were seven-point favorites. Um, the Commanders coming off just a, a brutal, brutal defeat where Sam Howell couldn't get anything going. So give me Jalen Hurts and the boys. John looks like he is sticking around just for the fun of it. Um, He is taking the 49ers versus the Cardinals as well for reasons known. And Brenda's take us home. 49ers versus Cardinals is a great pick, but I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs at home versus the Jets. Uh, I don't think there's any chance that Mahomes loses this game. Only shot is if the Jets cornerbacks step up and lock down the, the amazing receiver core that Mahomes is gifted with. But overall, I think they're the Chiefs. They get it done at home. Yeah, and so something I wanted to bring up that I was thinking about the other day, the Jets look atrocious. They just look very, very poor. And, like, at what point is there anybody you ship out at the trade deadline? Like, I bet a lot of that guys are going to want out of town. I was watching videos, um, and there's a bunch of clips of all the players, like, fighting with each other and coaches on the sidelines. Locker room is not looking great on that team. I think, if anything, the Jets will bring somebody else in at quarterback because, I mean, they're riding so high on Aaron Rodgers, and then it's pretty clear what the problem is, and it's Zach Wilson. So, I mean, why don't you bring in, like, some veteran who can get it done? I mean, if you want to make a trade, I mean, think about, like, a Kirk Cousins, you know? Vikings are about to hit the reset button any day now. I I think this is Kirk's last year of his contract if he doesn't have two left. And then also, yeah, I mean, there's other routes that you can take, too. I know Matt Ryan said that he wasn't interested. I mean, there's always Carson Wentz. You can kick the tires on him. I mean, there's guys out there. You just got to pay them, you know. And Zach Wilson, he just is not the answer. So why just throw out the whole season because week one Aaron Rodgers goes down? They should have made this move last week. They, uh, I agree with that, but they don't, they can't, they're not going to burn more draft capital on a quarterback. They're, they're going to have to sign a vet, but t- trading away future assets is not the answer. 
I mean, they have their first still, right? Or did they? Because they oh, didn't trade it. No, they didn't lose it because Aaron Rodgers didn't play enough games. You're right. So they traded the first in 2023. The 2024th is a second round pick. They still have their first round pick, so they got to go quarterback. Well, the draft capital is one thing, but like, look at the Rams. You know, they said fuck those picks, and they went out and won a Super Bowl. And the Jets seem to have all the pieces in place. Like, I'm not buying it. I took the Jets under nine and a half before the season even started, and I look like a genius now. I checked today; it's set at six and a half now. They were at nine and a half going into the season. They were nine and a half. Same with the Lions, too. Wow. And everyone said that I was stupid for taking the Jets under nine and a half. But when I, from what I saw from Aaron Rodgers last year, it's hard for me to buy in that the Jets are really going to be the fucking team. And I was right. And even before the injury. But I will say that the Jets are the type of team that they know they have these pieces together. They've got a bunch of young talent on these rookie deals. The problem is they got the Patriots, they got the Bills, and they got the Dolphins. If they were smart, they would just, you know, chuck the season up to a loss and then move on to next year. Some players might not like it, but they're under contract. Maybe some veterans, they move them, but they've got, you know, their rookies and their real, like, building blocks locked down. Quinn and Williams, Garrett Wilson, Reese Hall. I mean, they've got plenty of pieces that they can still build around, so. That's a good point. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I do want to say, too, for John's sake, he uh, has two brackets in the Survivor League, so he is technically dead on the show, but he is very much alive in real life, so he's still got one bracket in it. And that's going to wrap up the Survivor Corner. <laughs> Wait, speaking of Survivor, do you know it starts this Thursday? Wednesday. Or Wednesday? Survivor oh, in real life. boy. I got to get the text out. I'm ready. And it's a 90-minute episode. I heard. All season. I heard that. And it, yep. uh... I'm pumped. <laughs> yeah, we are in for an absolute delight. I've never watched it. Oh my god, you're missing out, dude! It's fucking awesome. We do a uh, pool, so it starts with 18 people. As soon as it gets down to 16, eight of us pick two people apiece, just for 20 bucks, and it is electric television. <laughs> <laughs> that would make it pretty fun. Depends on the season, but sometimes you will just get an absolute gem of a season, and they're fucking awesome. The, cat, the cast makes each season. They've been pretty good. Corbin won last year. I did. Yeah. No big deal. I've watched Big Brother, so I'm familiar with kind of how it works with like voting people out and everything. And same thing. I can imagine if money was on the line. Same thing on an island. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. All right, Corbin. Let's keep the show rolling. Yeah, let's get through this here. We got Fantasy Survivor. John is out this week, so I'll intro it. Again, weeks one through 16, we're picking one player per position on offense. You can't reuse the same player, standard PPR format. So last week, I totaled 96.38 points, bringing my total to 212. Belly had a nice 91.8 points, bringing his to 223.96, still in the lead. And John... Dragon in the rear, he had 73.66 points, bringing his total to 192.62. So it goes, Belly, me, John, this is going to be a big week. Belly, who are your picks this week? All right, we're going with Kirk Cousins against the Panthers. The Vikings, despite having three losses and just can't seem to win a game, Cousins and Jefferson especially just continue to put up massive, massive points. Um, the Panthers are on the uh, lower end of the tiers of the NFL. So give me cousins to throw up some 
a shit ton of points. Um, Bijan had a little bit of a bad game against the Lions. I don't think you can keep the, that guy down twice. I'm going to take him at the Jags. Tyreek Hill, I mean, the guy's just watching him in that Dolphins game. He just he's, – he's, he's amazing. He's amazing at what he does. Give me Tyreek Hill versus the Bills. And then I'm going risky here, and I don't even love this pick now that I see it on paper. But I'm going with Fryermuth at the Texans. Hopefully Kenny Pickett can give him the ball. The tight end is just not deep this year. Like at all. I know. It's and so know. you just got to make sure you pick the big guys on their big nights, I guess. But that's going to wrap up my team. I really like John's picks. Um, I think he's got the best lineup here. Starting off at QB, we got Josh Allen versus Miami. Obviously, it's going to be a high scoring offensive battle. Just got to hope those receivers can get the ball into the end zone. Uh, we got McCaffrey versus Arizona. 49ers are going to run it up their throat. I could see McCaffrey having a 30-plus point game. Devontae Adams versus the Los Angeles Chargers. He's coming off of a 40-point week. Uh, Chargers defense, uh, it's a toss-up, but I like Devontae Adams here. I think he at least gets 20 points. And then, of course, Travis Kelsey versus the bruised and battered and discombobulated New York Jets. Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, they have a big week. I think Travis Kelsey has another 20-point week. So I like John's team. I know. I'd probably take Kelsey over any other team other than the Jets. He could have had a better matchup there. But we'll leave him to it. That's why he's in last place. Me, I'm taking Josh Allen versus the Dolphins. I think it's going to be a shootout here. Dolphins are going to put up points, and then the Bills are going to have to try and keep up with them the best they can. So I think Josh Allen's going to do so in fantasy. I'm taking Miles Sanders versus the Vikings. Vikings defense, not looking good. Miles Sanders got his first touchdown last week, um, so hopefully he'll have a good game. I'm not super thrilled about this pick, but running backs dwindle as well. Uh, I'm going to handcuff Stephon Diggs with Josh Allen. I think that he's going to have a big game too. Um, back in Buffalo, he's going to be the recipient of the majority of those Josh Allen targets. And then I'm taking Evan Ingram. Belly was shitting on the Jaguars, and they did shit the bed, but I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to want to bounce back. Falcons defensive backs, you know, not the best after what Sam Laporta did to them. Evan Ingram is a very good receiving tight end, so hopefully can he, they can exploit some mismatches in that game. So Josh Allen, Miles Sanders, Stephon Diggs, and Evan Ingram for me. Yep, let's lock in those fantasy picks, and we'll get down to the nitty-gritty here. We're diving in deep to the bowels of the belly, and this week it seems to do with a microwave. What could that mean? Yeah, I don't know if this one's going to hit as hard as the past ones, but I had a little bit of a slow week. It was my first week back from all the vacations and whatnot, and so I had to keep it tame. Um, but anyway... Yeah, so my microwave had went out a while ago, and we had purchased another one just to throw on the counter, you know, keep our popcorn popping and whatnot. Um, but anyway, so I'll, I was looking uh, – this is like a two-parter because i got to take a break in the middle. But I went searching on Facebook Marketplace for uh, the same microwave because it's a good microwave. It fits in the hole. I don't have to do any, like, uh, um, different supports or anything like that to make sure it fits. Have you ever tried to buy anything off Facebook Marketplace is my starting point. All the time. And for the love of God, how hard is it to answer a simple question? And this is not the first time this has happened to me. My washing machine broke right when we first moved in. I put on my washing machine free at curb, come pick up. You would not believe the amount of offers I got. People would be like, (laughs) 25 bucks. Hey, 50 bucks. I'm like... 
just get it. Just take it away. And they, and I got probably like six offers and they were like lightning and I just listed it as free. So I don't understand that. So this whole microwave thing, um, people would take a picture and just say like a GE microwave. And I'd be like, Hey, can you please, uh, send me the, um, model number? It's normally on the inside of the door. And one lady responds back 25 inches wide, 16 inches tall. And I go, well, thank you for that information. I appreciate it. But can you tell me what the model number is? And then she's like, oh, bless your soul. And I'm like, I just give me the model number. I stopped talking <laughs> to that lady. Well, you're asking him fucked up questions. Who the fuck asked for a model number of a microwave, you weirdo? Any sane person that doesn't want to no. drive out to grab something that ends up not being the one you need. It's right fucking there, dude. She gave you the measurements. That's all you need. You think that that lady knows how to measure? We don't even, she doesn't know how to use the internet. She doesn't know how to use a ruler or a tape measure. So you're asking all class. these fucked up scientific questions, dude. They don't want to go and look and search for one person who's probably going to ignore them when they might have like 20 suitors for their nice microwave already. Not me. I always respond. They should see in my profile picture that I'm a very approachable individual. Billy's like, I'm in the market for the Panasonic microwave oven with introverter technology model number EC042A5C. No, it was the uh, GE microwave model number JVM61752K2ES. I think that's it. Yeah, do you have the owner's manual? Otherwise, I, I'm not interested. I'm going to need <laughs> the that. problem is the problem is that they make one. They make one. Mine is the 1.7 cubic foot, and they make one that looks identical to it at the 1.6 cubic foot. So you know what? I had to know what I was buying. Anyway, none of this matters because I got my hands dirty and I popped that bad boy open to see if I could fix um, the microwave. I'm pretty handy. I just do not fuck with electricity. It's just not my thing. Mm -hmm. I just feel like I'm going to mess something up and the whole house is going to be on fire here before we know it. So uh, I popped it open and you should have seen the look on my face of just, <laughs> I deflated when I got it open. I was like, I have no idea. So I probably watched maybe 30 YouTube videos. I looked through the manual. I Googled manufacturing parts for at least two and a half hours, only to have the epiphany today that I was looking up the wrong part. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like these two pieces that connect. And then I was like so worried about the wire portion, which was still fine. But the thermostat piece was the one that's broken. So I just kept trying to replace them both. And so I got the little thermostat piece that you plug shit into. But then I realized the cord's okay. It was just that connector. So today I plugged it into the new thermostat because I couldn't find the cord. I was contemplating like stripping the wire and rewiring it, which we all know that would have turned out just yeah, so poorly. Turn your house oh, yeah. Yeah. All because I didn't want to spend the money on a new microwave. So I plugged it in today. Sure enough, she's humming and ready to go back in the wall. Love it. Yeah. Well done, Belly. You're just an electrician. I actually had a kind of similar microwave story where I tried to fix it too. So I go on this auction site and I mean, they have everything. I mean, microwaves, they have power tools, they have lawnmowers, they've got rugs, like every fucking household item that you could ever imagine. So my mom needed a new microwave. So I bid on this microwave for her and I got it. And like they have electronics too. So they like power test them and make sure they turn on and work and everything like that. So like 90% of the time, they're perfect, brand new. You just get them at like a 70% discount. And then that other 10% of the time, they're just fucked up. Like I got a lawnmower one time, a Ryobi lawnmower, and it was the wrong 
model. I should have confirmed the model. You should have looked up the model number. <laughs> they, oh. gave, they gave me the wrong kind of lawnmower, even though the one that I had bid on and won was actually a better one. So I, you just return it. No big deal. So I get this microwave. I drop it off at my mom's. I put it in. I plug it in. It powers on. I didn't try and like test it. So like the next day she calls me and said, yeah, that microwave like doesn't work. And I can't remember the exact issue, but whenever you, like it doesn't actually heat up the food, it makes a noise, but it doesn't heat it up. And so like I went over like the next weekend and like took a look at it and tried to figure it out. And the thing is like this thing would turn on when the door is open, but you don't hear like the normal sounds of a microwave. It would make a little sound, but it wouldn't actually turn on. And so like I would just try and hit start and I just felt like a bad headache. And I feel like I was actually getting microwave just trying to fix it. So I'm like, fuck this. Like I'm just bringing it back. Like I'll get you another microwave next week when the bids come. Yeah, dude, microwaves are the evil appliance of the kitchen. Yeah, no, I barely even use it. Just get an air fryer, problem solved. I have one of those too, but like, have you ever air fried soup? Soup? I don't know. Why would you air fry soup? No. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, that's, that's something I... Oh, you're getting that. You need a microwave. Yeah. You no, know, heat it back up on the oven. Throw it in a pan. Heat it up. On the oh, stove or stove top. Yeah. One and a half stove. minutes or 10 and a half minutes. I agree. The microwave serves its purpose. It's more efficient. It's faster, but yeah. it's like, I mean, three... for certain things, but like soup, I'm not putting that on the stove top. Yeah, dude, it's faster. I will say stove top popcorn is absolutely incredible. I agree. Over microwave popcorn. popcorn. I won't even go back. There's like this Amish popcorn brand that I buy. Have you ever had the Amish popcorn? actually no like a lot no of i haven't i think i just well i have kroger over here i don't know man i just buy like kernels big thing of kernels from from kroger you throw a little oil you throw one in wait yep. for it to pop dump the rest and oh it's so good i don't know man i uh i love me a good just right out of the bag <laughs> no man just, oh, oh yeah and your hands are all greasy you're touching the remote i mean your remote probably looked like my forehead in the summer i mean no dude you, you get a little you either have a good pair of jeans on wipe them there on the denim napkin <laughs> or you put them on some paper towel <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could taste the difference you gotta try the amish stove top real popcorn. real fat kid move real fat kid move and tell me if you've ever done this have you ever had like those bitch ass bags of popcorn that are like super unflavored, just like it's super healthy, like nothing yeah, on it's it? Bullshit. And then you just yeah. and then you just melt a cup of butter and <laughs> dump it on there. Dude, I do that with the extra extra butter bags. I'll throw more butter on that yeah. bitch and a pound of salt. That's my fucking <laughs> guy right there. <laughs> I have not stooped that one. I literally, my popcorn just isn't even crunchy. It just melts. Oh, yeah. Do you ever get the piece like you didn't let the butter cool down enough and you like yep. put it down the center? So there's just there's yep. a column of just wet popcorn. <laughs> yep. It's a butter soup. Yep. Oh, no. No, no, no. Those popcorns are absorbent, man, but they become a like a wet sponge. They're still good, but you're just eating wet popcorn. Yeah. Yep. Belly, I don't know about you, but I have like this, uh, um, I don't, this canister that has like six different popcorn seasonings in it. Oh boy, it's like a revolver of just. Yeah, yeah it's like a revolver of fucking popcorn flavorings. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm going to play Russian roulette now that I have that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fucking open up one, spin it, and then dump that bitch, see what, see what I get. 
All right, we're going parm garlic tonight, baby. Uh, <laughs> God damn it, I hate the ranch seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking cheddar again? Come on, Revolver. Spit it again. Uh. <laughs> Brennan, if you want to start up a side podcast. <laughs> Popcorn pals. Just about... Just about food and how to have a gut. Well, you heard uh, you heard how we you heard how we met, right, Corbin? No. Oh, uh, so I. Oh, this is a great story. I I haven't done this <laughs> one in a while, so I might forget some stuff. Chime in if I'm incorrect. But like, I was going to see Greg, but for some reason, I arrived at like six in the morning or something. It was like beyond early, and me and Brennan are sitting on the couch. And like we started watching Altered Carbon, and I don't think we even paid attention to it because we just chatted the whole time, and we were just ripping, absolutely ripping beef jerky, and was it yogurt? <laughs> yep, yeah. beef jerky and yogurt. So this is when Tyler was living at Greg's, so he had all the samples, and he had like yep. shit. I think I brought some too because I had that chef's cut chicken jerky, and we were just ripping into that, and then we chased it with, I think it was like Trix yogurt, so it was like this super yep. non-healthy, delicious ones. And we just sat there on that couch all morning. I think Greg finally came home, and I was talking to Brennan, and he's like, what, do you guys like know each other? I was like, yeah, I spent the whole day with them. <laughs> <laughs> so you walk in, hey, Brennan, you you want some jerky? Well, that's what I was just going to say. There's a little bit more context. Because this kid, I'm sleeping on the couch and the door opens and I wake up and there's just this person I've never seen before and he just sits down and starts talking to me. <laughs> so at first I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if this kid's supposed to be here. Like, is he drunk? I'm not sure or what. But yeah, it ended up being Ben. And I, I don't even think I uh, I asked for your name until after Greg got home. And I'm like, oh, okay, Ben, I'll remember that. <laughs> me just sat down, started talking to someone. That's... uh. Well, the funny part was leading up to that, didn't um, didn't Greg like tell me you were gonna be there, and I like thought it was gonna be Kyle the whole time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I log in. You're not Kyle. All right, how you doing, bud? Let's talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's the uh, the dawn of many of Belly's friendships. <laughs> he just sits down and starts talking to him. For a while, I think I just knew you as like the bartender for Michigan State. Yeah, that's how I'm. Uh, I think I'm more famous on West Michigan just with the name Belly Smokes than people that know the name Ben. Yeah, <laughs> it sticks with you. It's hard to forget. Well, the one time I was at Spring Lake Country Club, and uh, the one kid looks at me and just goes, "Belly Smokes," and I go, "What?" <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. I think his name was Chris. It was like one of Roxy's friends, maybe. Oh, okay. I don't know. He's yeah, up yeah, north. Yeah, yeah. The kid who rocked his head off my gut. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. He, he was like, hey, what's up, man? I was like, holy shit. <laughs> How do you know me? Oh, I've heard all about yeah. you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You ripped your head off my gut. <laughs> Belly, I think uh, I think we really built a lot of chemistry on Greg's bachelor party, just ripping 27 shirtless on the porch <laughs> until four in the morning. <laughs> and then Corbin, you were there for a little bit, oh, too. Yeah. I mean, well, it was oh, what a trip. It was because we spent so much time together during golf. That's where it started. The seed was planted. True, true. Yeah, isn't that when uh, Jeff hit the uh, house with the ball? Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah. What it is? He's like, just keep driving. I'm like, the guy's staring at me. What do you want? Me to do? <laughs> I was like, just fucking drive. They got insurance. Who cares? Like, go. 
the guys waving us over. I'm like, go. He would have caught up to us. We were on hole like 11. We weren't going anywhere. It would have been anybody. <laughs> that wasn't us. There's was another hole. Our tee box is staring right at this guy's porch. Oh, my God. All right. Well, we got some Thursday night football to watch. So let's wrap it up here. Ellie, what do you got for me this week? So I just got to ask you a question, Corbin, and that's how bad do you want it? So we have been, we've, we've gotten you, uh, you, you still got the golfing bug. Still a big fan of the game. Just love oh, you yeah. some golf. The itch is still there. Okay. So your golf game will shape into a new form and it's not going to be fun for you. And it is that no matter what, every time you play golf, your drive goes 50 yards and out of bounds. Every single time oh. you tee off for the rest of your days. So you're always hitting three to start. Even if I putt it? Is that not the case already? No. Oh. So just every time your first shot, boom, do right angle out of bounds. Every single time you play. So, I mean, I won't be as worse as Brad then at least. That one's not that bad. I just have to be a beast with my irons in my fairway. I don't know, man. That is the most frustrating thing in the world to me. I would I would give up the game if I couldn't keep the tee in play. That was my problem last year. So if it's 50 yards to the right, then I could just line up at a 90-degree angle then, and it'll go perfectly right. No, no, no. It goes out of bounds or out of play or unplayable every time. So you're hitting three off the tee to start every single hole. Yeah, I would do it. Not a big deal, oh, man. God. I already suck at golf as is. For a Lions Wait, Super Bowl? I don't get what's what's like the drawback. Yeah, what's the what's the trade-off? The Lions win the Lions win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, that's what the, okay. So what it, I would get. I've never made it this far into the podcast. For the rest of so. time you're hitting three off the tee, and you're okay <laughs> I, with that. I could just quit golf. I'm not that good at it anyways. I definitely enjoy I, it. I, I have fun with it, but it's not like I'm fucking the best golfer. I have fun with right. my friends when I'm out there, and I like doing well and improving. No, but... Nobody will ever want you on their team in a scramble. Nobody will ever want you on their team in general. <laughs> no, oh, that, that that's just sucks. been if I'm in a scramble, it's just my tee shots that are bad, but then I can make up for it with a sick iron shot. I just have to rely on my teammates oh, to get off the tee. I don't know. In a two-man scramble, I would never, ever, ever, ever. I would refuse to play with you. And then if I play with Brad, I mean, we're pretty much even at that point, you know, because huh? I mean, All right. <laughs> so I'll just play a fuck ton with Brad. I'll just be my go-to buddy. <laughs> also, six hour rounds aren't my thing. Yeah, no, I hear you. Well, I would just take an immediate drop. Well, if it's OB, I mean, I would find it, but I don't know. I, I don't I would have to give up the game and I don't want to give up the game. <laughs> yeah. I don't either, but for a Lions Super Bowl, knowing that I had a hand in it just by sacrificing my golf game, which I'm only a, I mean, I'm a 32 handicap. Oh, shit. What am I going to do? The world's probably better 45, for it. Yeah. Never allowed at a bloodbath again. <sighs> Brutal. I'll, I'll keep this real quick. We had a debate at a poker game once of if you had front row tickets to a Lions Super Bowl game, um, I don't know, somewhere across the country. Anyways, it are you going to the game or are you getting the cost of the entire trip let's say it's like a week long trip so maybe equivalent to like $25,000 are you taking the cash or are you going to the game um 
I'd take the cash probably because I do enjoy like I love going to NFL games, don't get me wrong, but nothing beats just watching it on TV. I mean, there's angles that you don't have, the instant replay and everything like that at the games. So I would much rather just be at home watching or at, even at a bar watching and celebrate with that crowd. I mean, being there for the Lions Super Bowl would be insane. But uh, if I could take 25 grand and pocket it, I mean, take the money and run and get the Super Bowl. I think that's a stage of life question right now. It's exactly, right now, yeah. Right yeah. now, I'd probably take the 25 Gs. I could use that. <laughs> Down the line, I bet. I mean, when I'm old, fucking who cares? Give me the game. Yeah. Yep. Good call. That was my exact answer, too. I didn't I didn't say stage of life. But, <laughs> um, yeah, most Sorry. likely just going to take the 20. Most likely going to take the 25 grand, maybe take some of it, bet it on the Lions. But I'm going to Detroit. I'm going to be at a bar because that city's burning mm-hmm. to the ground. If they want to <laughs> yep. be in the draft. Yeah, it's just. It. It's just old stage of life Ben over here just remembering model numbers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks again for listening. If you haven't already, please follow, subscribe, like, and download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other platform you listen to us on. Don't forget to leave us a review. Give us five stars. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at LightCorbyashi. We've also got the Belly and the Fish Instagram and Twitter accounts going. Feel free to DM us some ideas or text us if you have any segments you'd like to hear. Please continue to spread the good word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and anyone and everyone you can think about. We appreciate the love and support, guys. Yeah, big thanks to Brennan for filling in for our other I'm happy to have you here, bud, and did a great job, and I'm sure the fans are going to love you. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys having me. Like I said, it's been something I've wanted to do for a while, so I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Brennan. Appreciate it, man. With that said...